Tune in to Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app. Packer and Durham. Pre-Power Hour is upon us as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. You got the number 844-SAY-ACCN. It's 844-SAY-ACCN. Mark Rick coming up here in about 15 minutes. Look forward to having Coach on. Hope he's doing well. Ballot member of the uh, potential College Football Hall of Fame. One of about 8,000 people on there. 19 for the ACC. uh, Three coaches, 19 players. You do you want to cap recap the first hour for folks dialing in? No, I really won't because uh, if you missed it, uh, beginning at 10 a.m. to my knowledge, uh, we replay this bad boy so you could catch it from 10 to 11 in case you missed anything in the first hour. That's All how, right, that's how it works. Uh, We're on for six hours a day. Note. Made 25 percent of your coverage know. is this show. To be honest with you, per day, you get six hours of Packer. Can't miss it. By the way, thanks to Lance for helping us cobble together the hardest class from Ryan Metz a moment ago. Part Ryan of the, Metz. Uh, part of the smart people in Bristol. Ryan putting us Metz together. got it done yesterday. Smart, <laughs> sharp, yeah. really good player. Hokies are hot. Big weekend. Starts mm-hmm. Friday against the Sooners. Yep. Going to be good. Yep. Hey, um, Kevin Parada, by the way, named a finalist for the Golden Spikes Award. Saw that. Now, while he is draft eligible and likely to be a very high pick in the amateur draft later the this Giants. month, yep. uh, Collegiate <laughs> Baseball <laughs> has, has named their freshman All-America team, and that freshman All-America team features 11 from the ACC. 11. Strong. So – while the league has had great success with veteran players like Parada, you start looking at the freshman All-America team. Look at this list. Hackenberg, Finley, and Woolfolk from Virginia are pitchers. You see the outfielders headlined by Vance Honeycutt, the MVP of the ACC Baseball Championship. Uh, Tommy White, of course, since he stayed, he's had a great, terrific year and now in the portal. And then you see Nick Kurtz, Logan Beard, Peyton Green, and Carson Martini of Virginia Tech rounding out this group. So, you look at that list. Hackenberg, first team all ACC, 10-2 and two on the year. Finley, 5-2 and two on the year with a 2-3-1 ERA. Wolfo, 3-0, struck out 53 and walked 19 in 27 appearances. Kurtz, by the way, third team all ACC, 15 home runs, 356 average, and 50 plus RBIs. Logan Beard, 309, 11 doubles. Uh, Peyton Green, 256 for NC State with 12 doubles. Carson Martini, freshman all ACC, 13 homers and 39 RBIs. Uh, we told you about Honeycutt. Amazing year, including the ACC MVP, but he's also got 28 stolen bases. I mean, it's just pack the youth in this league. It's worth noting. The baseball's going nowhere in the ACC. It's arguably been the best league in the country this spring, and it could very well be the best league in the country next spring, given the youth talent. Well, the future is certainly bright, and those numbers do not lie. And I, I will say one thing, because I haven't commented on this, but the, the Tommy White situation, 
I, I was in Italy when all that went down, and I was stunned when I saw that. Again, in this day and age, you shouldn't be with the transfer portal and everything mm-hmm. else, and I have no idea. We haven't had Tommy on the show, but what a great year he had for oh. Elliott Avent and NC State. But I, I don't know what he's going to do. Um, but, man, it's it was fun watching him. He just hit bomb after bomb after bomb in Raleigh this year. But that list mm-hmm. that we just rattled through – uh, get to know those names because they're going to be around for a while. And this league has been so good in baseball. Uh, the key, though, Wes, moving forward, can you close? That, I mean, that's the deal in baseball. Mm-hmm. Can you close? So I'm kind of fascinated to see how the conference does moving forward, not only this weekend, because you do have three ACC-SEC showdowns beginning in the Super Regionals this weekend. And assuming whoever right. can survive and get to Omaha – I mean, the one thing we've talked about about this conference when it comes to baseball, getting to Omaha hasn't been a problem. Closing in Omaha at times has been an issue. Wake Forest won it way back in the 50s. Virginia won it in 2015. And I can't emphasize enough how many times I've seen Florida State or Clemson, uh, you know, North Carolina get to Omaha and not be able to close. So that will be the key as uh, we take a look, not only from an individual standpoint, but also the team aspect as we get cranked up this weekend. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that the ACC, with Virginia doing the trick a couple of years ago, the ACC needs another marker, so to yeah. speak, here in baseball. I agree. Um, and, and I say this I say this regardless of you know which of these six teams, or four teams rather, uh, is able to do it. It doesn't really matter who, if you're looking at it from a conference perspective, but to almost like, you know how we talk about validating a little bit, Pack? You right. almost got to validate here, right? No doubt. I, I mean, I just think it's really important. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, listen, there's 16 teams left. Uh, the SEC has five left. The ACC has four. I think the uh, Big 12's got two. The Pac-12's got two. And then, you know, you have the uh, East Carolinas and so forth and the equal 16. Right. Uh, you know, so you got four left. And the, the object is to be in the dog pile in Omaha at late June. I mean, that's the goal. It's the ultimate goal. And I think from a conference perspective, uh, the league's got a great baseball reputation. But I, to be completely transparent and honest on this, the ACC's got to do a better job in Omaha, right? We've gotten there. Yep. Now let's close. That's why I keep going back to that, that whole deal. You've got to be able to close. So I'm kind of curious to see yep. how this plays out. The two best baseball leagues in the country are the ACC and the SEC. It's been proven year after year after year yep. in terms of number of teams that get in the tournament, et cetera. And you've got marquee mm-hmm. matchups this weekend. Like I said, we're going to talk to Link Jarrett coming up next hour. They've got the biggest chore. They're on the road at number one, Tennessee. And anybody that follows college baseball has told you all season long, Tennessee is here. Everybody else is chasing. But as we've mentioned this week, uh, the last time the number one overall seed has won the College World Series was Miami in 1999. Kind of crazy how that's worked out. So there's pressure on Tennessee from that perspective. But Tennessee will have the home field advantage. Here comes Notre Dame on the road with that great pitching staff. How can they handle it? Louisville is hitting the baseball like crazy. Got to go on the road at A&M. North Carolina, red hot. They got Arkansas coming to Chapel Hill. The Heels have won six of seven Super Regionals when they get to host. And we've talked about the Hokies with Oklahoma coming up on Friday. So all of these are challenges. Now, there's nothing easy about any of these matchups across the board. That's why I think the college baseball tournament is the best one that the NCAA conducts. Yeah, no question. I think you're right about that. The other aspect about it that uh, 
you know, it, it just feels like the timing might be right for the ACC. Uh, I know Miami's incredibly disappointed, like we talked about on Monday. Yeah. But the thing about it is you, you see it with each of the four teams that are there. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame, I know it's a hard task, but Notre Dame can hand the ball to John Michael Bertrand on Friday night. I mean, that's a, that's a good thing. Somebody like that going on the road. Remember the story I just told you last hour about Southern California coming to Atlanta against Mark Teixeira and all these guys that ultimately would end up in the end up in big league baseball. That group right there through Rick Courier and Mark Pryor and back to back nights. John Michael Bertrand is one of college baseball's best pitchers. He gets the ball Friday night against Tennessee. If Notre Dame pins the balls in game one, can you imagine the pressure then on Tennessee with a gaboodle of wins? and trying to get to Omaha. You're one of the best teams maybe of, a, of the last decade in college baseball from an offensive and pitching perspective. Now, all of a sudden, wait a second, we're down one nothing. The next one we lose, we're done. That's the kind of mentality that gets created in super regionals that you don't see very often. Even in the double elimination stuff, you see it much more pronounced because it's the same team that just beat you that you're playing against. Yeah, I love it. And that's why I love this tournament, because what you had to go through last year in the regional feels totally different than what it does in a super regional when it's a best of three. And again, we kind of whittle this thing down where that's why I say, hey, it's hard to win this tournament. And that's why that stat Mm -hmm. of Miami of 99, there's not been a team this century that's been the number one overall seed that has won the College World Series. And you can't find another sport. uh, You can't find one that's got that kind of run where the best, the perceived best team and what you do doesn't win it. Uh, That's difficult. So uh, again, Notre Dame's got a huge challenge, but with that pitching staff, we'll talk about that more with Link Jarrett coming up around 930 this morning. I know you've said it before and we'll reiterate it. Hopefully after four ACC teams make it to Omaha, it is an incredible Experience, Oh, the best. In northwest Nebraska. It is. Or northeast Nebraska, rather. It's an incredible experience. Uh, Take a break. When we come back, our ACC Network colleague, Mark Richt, on the ballot, announced Monday afternoon for the National Football Foundation and College Hall of Fame. Uh, Part of a ballot's got a heavy ACC flavor. We'll talk to Coach Richt next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. There he is. There's Coach. What's happening? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm uh, enjoying life here in Athens, Georgia. We've, we've actually got uh, my son, his wife, Anna, and uh, our three grandchildren staying in the house. They're, they bought a house. Ten houses down the street, and it's being uh, renovated. So oh, we got uh, three kids, three grandchildren, and a, and a dog. So things got busy. Wait a second. Three grandchildren and a dog. It's like you got your own team under one roof again, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I don't get as much attention as I used to from Lolly, so I'm getting a little jealous. <laughs> I know this much. Uh, just looking over your shoulder at uh, the month of October, uh, I only see one little red mark in there. I, I get a sense that uh, other than football, you got the grandkids every single day. That's why nothing's written up there. Your 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 plate is full. I'm figuring. I'm thinking Thanksgiving Day might be. There might be a lot of Thanksgiving that they're moving out of the house. But we'll see. We'll see. Hey. Um, 
you're one of 19 guys with Atlantic Coast Conference ties who are now finalists for the National Football Foundation and College Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and in your particular situation, there's a coaching category that has a who's who of ACC success on it. How do you find out you're a finalist for the National Football Foundation Hall of Fame, Coach? Uh, actually, somebody texted me the other day and uh, congratulated me. <laughs> I didn't even know that was going on. So it was a, it was a good surprise. At first, I wasn't sure that they were, were messing with me. And then uh, they uh, somebody shot uh, some from the media and uh, proved that that was the case. So it was, it was a nice feeling, I could tell you that. Uh, it would be a wonderful honor to uh, – it's an honor to be nominated, but you know, to be named to the Hall of Fame, especially being right there in Atlanta – would be a, a wonderful thing for me and my family. Well, the fact that uh, I think there's 19 players and there's three coaches that have some tie to the ACC, and uh, Larry Coker is another guy, of course, given your Miami ties, and also Paul Johnson, a guy you had a chance to see face-to-face just a few times in that great rivalry between Georgia Tech and Georgia. I, I, you know, if you, I guess, Coach, if you're in this thing long enough – uh, you do have great relationships, right? Whether they be rivals or whatever the case may be. And you kind of look back now and with a smile on your face and go, you know what? Had a pretty remarkable run. Got to be a pretty cool feeling. Uh, it's a good feeling for sure. And uh, competing against Paul Johnson all those years while I was at Georgia, and then you added the three years while I was at uh, Miami, there's a lot of ball games we played against each other. And, you know, there's a lot of mutual respect. You know, the one thing is when, when I was at Georgia, it was easy not to like him. You know, you just – good old-fashioned hate is what the game's built around. So, you, you try not to like anybody over there. And then you end up in the same league and you end up in the same meetings. And you're like, you're like I like this guy. But uh, I, I've grown to uh, get to know Paul better and really uh, respect him so much. And, uh, and also uh, enjoying his friendship. Yeah, old coaches and old radio announcers from over there ain't bad people, are they, Coach? Not so bad. <laughs> then you got Ronnie <laughs> Jones. I mean, what else can you ask for? <laughs> well, I was getting ready to say, if you got a bone to pick with somebody, it's probably Roddy Jones, don't you? That's the guy you really don't want to hang I out still with see on occasion, right? Sc- I still see him screaming down the sideline for a long touchdown <laughs> run. But, uh, yeah, I think they got us that day. Hey, Mark, when you when when this honor comes down the pipe um, and look, you had a marvelous coaching career as an assistant, you had a terrific career and then you went to a head coach and went another level. Does it give you pause for perspective? Because we ask current coaches all the time and you know how it is. They don't have time to look back. They're always kind of face forward with their programs or their task at hand. But when something like this happens, and look, you're deserving. There's no question about it, and it's going to happen at some point. We hope it's right now. But do you give time? Do you give time to have some perspective on what you accomplished as a head coach? Yeah, as a head coach and an assistant, you know, you mentioned the time that I was an assistant coach at Florida State, and I uh, went back and looked at those years, and uh, you know. 14 out of 15 years, uh, you know, Florida State ends up in the top five in America. Um, and, and when you looked at when we joined the ACC, we went we went 70 and two <laughs> to start out. And then uh, mm-hmm. in 2001, the year I left, uh, Florida State actually lost two. They were they went six and two that year. But uh, 
you know, I had a chance to coach a couple of Heisman Trophy winners and we won some national championships. And, you know, a lot of awesome things happen more than what a guy could ever dream of and hope of for, uh, for, for any coaching career. And then you end up <clears throat> getting a chance to be the head coach at Georgia and Miami, too, the, you know, iconic programs in America. It, it was a good run and a big deal, and it took a lot out of me, you know, to do that. But uh, I wouldn't trade it. Coach, uh, given where we are today, name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, I mean, the world's crazy. It's upside down. Do you look back a little bit and go, man, I, I'm glad I got out when I did? Or, or I mean, I'm just kind of curious because you, listen, you've had a front row seat to crazy recruiting battles and that, you know, listen, that's a whole different world too. But given the landscape of where we are now, do you sit back and go, man, I, I'm glad I'm out of it? Or do you sit back and go, boy, I, I wish I was in the middle of it? And I mean, I'm just kind of curious given the fact of your incredible experiences. Well, somebody asked me yesterday, do I miss it? And I said, to be honest with you, the fact that I know I can't go back and do it again, just from a health standpoint, I don't sit there and long to do it. If I was healthy, I'm sure there'd be times I'd say I'd like to get back in it. But, you know, the things that you mentioned, the NIL, the transfer portal, uh, certainly those are things that you have to embrace as a head coach or you'll get left behind. But I, I think the one thing I see is it's tougher and tougher to build team, you know, to get a bunch of guys that want to play for each other, want to play for their school. Uh, it's becoming more about individuality and individual brands and things of that nature. And I'm not, I'm not saying the rules are bad or wrong by any stretch. It just, uh, it, it's it's kind of a, a point nowadays where it's, it's, it's almost free agency, unrestricted free agency in college football. It is at least for a one-time transfer. You know, you can't transfer two, three, four times without penalty, but you know, there's a lot of movement going on. And so, you know, do I miss it? There's a lot of things I miss about coaching, but do I wish I was in the middle of it now? I would say not a chance. Hey, Coach, I want to follow up with you on that a second, because I do think that the quote-unquote older coaches, and I don't mean that in any disrespect, uh, the ability to put a team together, whether we're talking about football, basketball, golf, I don't care what the sport is, but I think coaches – uh, have always, old school coaches in particular, have always appreciated that that was part of the journey, right? Watching a young man or a young woman develop uh, not only on the field or on the court, but also in the classroom, the maturity rate, and putting a team together was always like the ultimate compliment as a coach. And now it feels like part of that, in some respects, has been taken away. Would that be accurate, you think, in this day and age? Well, I don't know if it's taken away, but it just it takes a lot more effort, a lot more intentionality to create that team atmosphere. And there's a certain I think it's going to it has to start in your recruiting process. You know, the type of guys you bring in, you obviously need a tremendous talent base, but you want guys that will, will uh, you know, work hard and work towards the common goal. I mean, in my opinion, football is the greatest team sport ever invented. And uh you just can't function uh, well without the team aspect. Um, even if you're doing it for your own glory, you're still you have to do it for the team. When the ball snapped, well, the team's not going to succeed. Everybody's got to do their job. So, uh, you know, I, I think the the greatest coaches are still going to be the ones 
who could put all these guys together, all these personalities together, all these egos together, and and shake them around a little bit and get them to play as a football team. You know, Coach, it was interesting. I spent the last couple of days at a, at a charity event with a with several guys who have played college football, and many of those guys went on to great careers in the NFL. Uh, you know, for decades, uh, in some cases. Here's the thing I heard, though, when they were talking to me about today's college football. Their fear, from a playing perspective, is that all the little maturity points you had to have when you went from college to the NFL and you learned inside that NFL locker room at 22 or 21 or 23 years old, you're now going to have to learn those potentially in the college locker room as a 17-year-old, maybe 18-year-old, when you go in, understanding kind of the locker room etiquette, the locker room philosophy, the core values of doing it on your own. The, you know, it, I had one guy use an OTA concept for me. He said, hey, how does a young guy now understand, hey, look, this college locker room, we got we to work out in the offseason. Well, he's all tied up in something that has nothing to do with football, literally, but it's a subset of the football, NIL. He goes, what does that say to his team? That's the kind of concern that players have. I can only imagine where coaches are now. Well, I agree with that. And the other thing is uh, just going through adversity and sticking it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, when adversity hits, everybody jumps in the portal, you know. (laughs) I mean, so, you know, when are you going to learn to grow as a man, as a person? You know, you grow during the tough times. I mean, you know, a guy like D.J. Shockley, I coached at Georgia. I mean, he sits – behind David Green for four seasons before he gets his shot, plays his senior year. Uh, you know, we win the SEC championship in 2005 and goes on to have a great, uh, a good pro career. And uh, and now he's the sports anchor for Channel 5 in Atlanta. You know, so uh, if he if he'd have ran when things got tough, he wouldn't be the man that he is today, I can promise you. He's an awesome husband. Yep. He's an awesome father. He's a great citizen, you know, of our community, and he's been blessed because that he, he he blessed the University of Georgia's program, and the Georgia people are blessing him. Well, by yeah. the way, we, no, we're gonna, right. We're going to do our best job to uh, try to stuff the ballot for you, so uh, don't worry about that. We'll we'll do the heavy lifting with the uh, twelve thousand people that got to vote to get you in the Hall of Fame. But uh, it's good seeing you, man. I hope life's feel. I hope you're feeling good and life's treating you right. I feel good. One last thing. You all were talking about Omaha uh, playing in, 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 in Nebraska, the baseball stuff. I was born in Omaha, Nebraska, so I got a chance to be in Rosenblatt a couple times as a kid. It was pretty awesome. Yes, Ooh. it is. Ain't no Man. doubt about that. It's amazing. Hey, great to see you. Best to Catherine, okay? All right, guys. Have a great day. You bet. Mark Rick, part of our ACC Network football. Won't be long now, Pack. Huddle will be back on. Jordan Cornette and them boys be ready to roll now. We'll have like a huddle August countdown show, I'm sure. We got to have something like that. We'll all be together in July in Uptown Charlotte. Won't be long. About what? Six, yep. seven, six, seven weeks away from kickoff. That, to me, that's when college football season starts, when we get to the media day. When you get to media yeah. day, that to me is the official start of the college football season. I know camps open up a little bit go. later after that, but when you get everybody under one roof and they start talking ball, players, coaches, it's go time. There we go. Uh, When we come back, another edition of Fill in the Blank is next, Mark. Super regional style, perhaps. 
Who knows? Maybe we'll get a Red Skelton or Secretariat question along the way, too. All that and more coming up. Halfway point of Thursday's Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. 844-SAY-ACCN <laughs> is the number show. for the show. What's the matter with you, this Wes? Show. Nothing. What's wrong down here in Cartersville, Georgia? Hey, it's all good in Cartersville this morning, let me just tell you. Uh, all right, Casey O'Brien and Goal producing the uh, Packer and Durham program today. And time for a uh, – is this a baseball-centric edition of uh, fill-in-the-blank, Casey? Absolutely. What else will we do? It's super regional time. Well, I thought we might be Red Skelton and Secretariat given the first hour. I mean, Pac threw us off with that. We didn't know about it, so we didn't have time to prepare the right question. Can I ask a question before we get started? Moving forward for future shows, if I'm holding a nugget of information, do you want that ahead of time as opposed to something live on the air? Because I'll play, I'll go either way. I, I just think it's always better if I've got something like that, just to put it in my back pocket and we'll hit you live with it. I'll, I'll play. I'll do whatever you guys want to do. I mean, I'll leave that ball in your court, Pack. I don't okay. want to ruin all your secrets. I don't want to ruin your flow. It's who you are. Okay, fair enough. Again, I'm a team player, so however, I don't you, however you want to Wait, play, I'm good. First of all, hang on, Casey. First of all, nobody has ever said to Packer in his broadcasting or living career, Pack. I don't want to ruin your flow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right. Because Packard, Packard never knew he had flow, let alone that it would be ruined. And on top of that, so, I have no um, idea what that even means today. So I'm just going to go with that's it. Yeah. So, Casey, you, you, you just introduced new lexicon into the Italian speaking Mark Packer. Pack, I don't want to ruin your flow. So there you go. See. All right. Just wanted to make record of that. Yeah. Thanks. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. All right. Let's get to some <laughs> fill in the blank. See. See. All right, so Go. first one. So Vance Honeycutt had three hit three home runs in five games during the Chapel Hill Regional. In the Super Regional matchup with Arkansas, fill in the blank, Vance Honeycutt will hit blank home runs. Mm, pack. Uh, I'm going to go one. One. Okay. I was going to say two. I think Osuna's my guy this week. I think Osuna maybe goes next level against the Hogs. You know, the the key to this kind of question is how many games we play. You know you're going to play two. Do you go yeah. three? I mean, you know, everybody I've talked to that really does follow college baseball thinks that feels like a three-game series. Feels like that, yeah, it does. that could be a Monday, Monday, Monday <laughs> loser-leave-town match between Hogs and Heels. Yeah, I'm going to go two because I think somebody else for Carolina has to step up and have a big weekend. Yeah. I think Honeycutt's become a scouted, known product and the kind of guy that, you know, they work around in the lineup now, not opposed to see. I'm not sure he's going to get a lot to, lot to hit. Um, I would say that uh, – I would say that – Osuna becomes maybe a fixture in this deal. So I'm going to say two. According to the uh, meteorologist, uh, rain in the forecast Saturday in Chapel Hill. But it's only Thursday. Right. Just saying. There we go. All right. So next question. 
So Tennessee has scored at least two runs in all 63 of their games this season. Notre Dame gave up two runs or less in two of their regional games. So fill in the blank. Notre Dame will allow blank runs versus Tennessee throughout the Super Regional. Whoa. Oh, wow. Whoa. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's going to be more than it was in the Regional. Uh, that ballpark, Tennessee's just tremendous offensively. It's a tiny little place. Uh, I think Notre Dame's going to have to score, Wes. I don't think he can roll in there. And again, we'll talk to Link Jarrett next hour. But I don't think you could have the mindset, oh, we're just going to come in there and they're not going to score anything. I mean, Tennessee's going to score. Uh, Notre Dame's going to have to match it, in my opinion. Do you see that guy, 28, the left-hander, throwing well, it right there? Yeah, that cat filthy. needs to roll tomorrow. Yeah. That guy needs to roll tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Tennessee scores nine runs. I'm gonna I'm gonna go higher than nine. That. I just think that I think their offense is too good. But the key is, can Notre Dame score? Because if Notre Dame Notre Dame's got enough pitching to make life uncomfortable, but I just I, it's so hard to hold Tennessee down. I mean, they're just so yeah. good okay. with the bat, man. And they are really talented. The number then will be double digits. Okay, ten. All right. Okay, next question. So Virginia Tech scored 46 runs in their regional. Oklahoma allowed 17 runs in the four games of their regional. So fill in the blank. Virginia Tech will score blank runs versus Oklahoma in the super regional. Double digits. Now they're going. Hey, the Hokies are going to score, man. I, I, I just like I yeah. talked about with Tennessee. Uh, this is what Virginia Tech does. Yeah. They pound it. Uh, they're going to score on Oklahoma. Yeah, but and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this one more time. First super regional, first time hosting super. Get off to a good start, Virginia Tech. Um, the Hokies will score twenty. If they play Ooh. two, they might score sixteen. But if they play three, they will score more than twenty. They're going to score. Well, that, that's what they do. That is what they do. They're going to score. Yeah. So put whatever number you want in there. Now, it's going Oklahoma, to be double digits. Let me say this. Oklahoma has had a tendency, a tendency to throw organized batting practice to their opponents at times. Okay? They've had that tendency. Organized BP, which means they give up a lot of runs. So, Virginia Tech needs to take advantage of that, and I would say tomorrow night would be an excellent opportunity. Tomorrow afternoon would be an excellent opportunity to begin that process of taking advantage of Oklahoma pitching. All right, Casey, what else we got? All right, so one more question, and I think this one's the hardest. Blank is the best super regional matchup. Period or just for the ACC? Period. The one that you are most excited to watch, the one you think is going to be the best. Mm. I don't know where PAC is on this. There is something intriguing about Ole Miss and Southern Miss playing in Hattiesburg. <laughs> because those two, it just there's too much crossover there. Um, I would also add that I think... Uh, Texas A&M in Louisville. I will do that. 
I'll do Texas A&M and Louisville. A&M the five seed nationally. Louisville the 12. You know what they say about the old 12-5 matchups, Pac? Yeah, they talk about that in March Madness. Um, I'm going to go North Carolina, Arkansas. And I'm going to tell you why. Because those two have combined for 20 super regional appearances. Mm. 20. Yeah. Nobody else has that in their back pocket. And I think Arkansas is peaking at the right time. I think North Carolina is peaking at the right time. Um, you know, Arkansas has got some unfinished business from a year ago when Elliott Avent and the Wolfpack rolled in there and said, boy, that's cool. You guys wow. beat us by 100 in game one. We're going to rip your heart out and celebrate right in front of all of you hogs. So I think Arkansas has got mm-hmm. a little state of North Carolina ownership thing. Hey, we got the do factor. So I think they got a little edge on that. I think North Carolina's playing lights out baseball. They had to come through the losers bracket to do it. Their coach, uh, Coach Forbes, who was on with us yesterday with the infield fly rule, got suspended two games, which was a comical joke by the NCAA. Yep. Uh, I think that series has some juice. I do think that's going to be a Monday series. Uh, so I'll go North Carolina, Arkansas. But I do like – I like all these. Again, I'm a baseball nut. Uh, I, I love the Super mm-hmm. Regional weekend. But I'm going to go North Carolina, Arkansas as my favorite of the of the whole group. There you go. All right. Carolina, Arkansas. Okay. I'll stay with Louisville, Texas A&M because Dan McDonald's team going on the road to try and pull this off. I want to see that happen for the Ville. Well, but the biggest stunner, though, what could be the biggest shocker of all of these Super Regionals is Knoxville, Tennessee, because nobody no who follows college baseball thinks Tennessee is going to lose. They don't think they're going to lose this weekend. That's it. They don't think they're going to lose and get to Omaha. They're gonna, you're going to hear a spin just like Alabama football 2018 is the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's the greatest baseball team I've ever seen. So they're, And they play with a swagger and all that cool stuff. So there is a ton of pressure on them. And I think if you're Notre Dame, you already kind of feel like you got hosed by the committee by not hosting in the regional, and you did. And you still went and you took care of business right. with great pitching. Nobody thinks you got a shot in Knoxville. You're going to come in there with all those arms against that Tennessee offense, and you got a chance to shock the world. So to me, yep. the cool storyline of all of them would be Notre Dame. Can they do anything with big, bad, mighty Tennessee? But I think the best regional will be Arkansas and North Carolina. There you go. There you go. Good call. Casey, well done. A little disappointed we didn't get a Red Skelton or Secretary question. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Red Skelton was uh, born in uh, 1913? 1913. We, we brought a Where lot of were you? Where were you in 1913, Wes? 1913. I mean, Pebble. Same place you were. Pebble Beach was still six years away from debuting. Pebble Beach Golf Links. That's where, that's, that's, there's a Red Skelton tidbit for you. Yeah. I think Red Skelton once played in the old clam bake, as they oh, say. Oh, I'm sure right. he did. All uh, right. When we, when we come back, uh, Scott Forbes, in case you missed it from yesterday, pack and uh, Schick do a deep dive on infield fly with the head baseball coach of the Tar Heels. It's next on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Thursday. Ryan Metz was outstanding yesterday. 
And so was Scott Forbes, head baseball coach at North Carolina. Coach of the Tar Heels had an eventful weekend against the VC Rams, but they're moving on after a win Monday night against Virginia Commonwealth. And here's his visit in case you missed it. I can explain it to you really well, but it's pretty basic. If the base runners cannot leave the base, it should be called an infield fly rule. So there you go. That's where you start. That's right. First, yeah. and, first and at least first and second, and less than two outs. Right. At That's least first and second. We're showing correct. the play. We're showing the play uh, right here. Kind of a tweeter play, uh, coach. But obviously, there's some that preceded it. As you're watching this. And you're watching that play happen, and you know that there's a previous call. We don't need to get into all of that, but what's kind of going through your mind, and, and combined with the stress of, hey, we got to win this game? Well, I just felt strongly that it should have been called an infield fly. Um, if you go back and really watch it, um, you know, and I talked to a lot of higher upper umpires in the ACC and the SEC and just said, hey, you know, tell me what you saw. And they all, you know, they all told me they, they thought it should have been called an infield fly because the first thing they asked ask themselves as umpires is, okay, it protects the base runners, um, right. and the base runners couldn't go anywhere. And then I also felt like that the second baseman did a really good job. We had a shortstop way back, Josh Horton, um, that did the same thing. If you watch him come in, his gloves held up, and he sees that the base runners are still there, and he just folds his glove down and yeah. hits the ball to the ground. Like, because he's got some instincts and makes a great play. Coach, I know that we can kind of laugh about it now uh, because obviously you've won and you've moved on. But, uh, boy, it was a testament to your team, though, wasn't it? I mean, given all the stuff that was going on, listen, bad calls happen in all sports all the time. You got to deal with it. Uh, sometimes it's for your benefit, sometimes it goes against you. But at the end of the day, uh, back against the wall, you come through this thing through the loser's bracket. Said a lot about your baseball team. Yeah, no doubt. And our coaches, you know, they for 18 innings, you know, I was I was watching the game on TV, which was, you know, way different. But our coaches and our players, you know, they they got it done. And that's hard to do, you know, to, to win two games in an elimination uh, bracket and to do that on the same day is just a credit to our players, number one, but also to to our assistant coaches. What was that Sunday like uh, for you? Where were you watching the games from? And, well, I mean, look, I this is nothing comparable to it. I'm a Little League coach, Scott, and I follow games sometimes when I can't make it. Like this weekend, I'm doing squeeze play uh, on ESPN, and I'm watching on Game Tracker and seeing where my kids are because someone's keeping track of it. You're watching it on TV, and you have no control over it. What was that like, and how did you watch the game? Yeah, um, you know, the rules are very clear about where you cannot be. So I was not allowed to be in the stadium. Um, so I had to be outside of the stadium. So I was not breaking the rule. I can't tell you where I was because that's a secret. <laughs> um, but I watched every pitch and I was able to find, you know, a live feed. Uh, so it wasn't a delay, you know, on TV, which was cool for me to be to to watch it. Um, but it was hard. Like I was way more nervous pacing a lot but I was watching it with a group of people that were all Tar Heels so we made the most of it and we were a lot of high fives a lot of emotions excuse me <clears throat> we had a great time 
By the way, you left your briefcase down here in the basement this weekend. I was going to mention it to you. Uh, by the time I got back, in, you might, you guys must have had a party down here in my house watching this ball game. I, I wasn't going to say anything to anybody. <laughs> well, we, we did have a good time. Um, you know, there was some. There was a really deep breath on that ball that Vance Honeycutt yeah. robbed yeah. because that ball's hit, and I'm like, man, he's going to catch that. And I'm like, oh no, that ball's going out, and to watch him rob it and. I just felt deep down that if we could get by Georgia, that we could do it. And uh, we found a way to do that by one run. So, but man, I, I tell you what I did enjoy was watching our team and how hard they played and how much they were supporting one another. And I can see now even more by watching it on TV why so many people are enjoying watching these guys play. And so then you get to Monday and you get the regional final and you get to get back out of the field. And then we were watching it there on, on Squeeze Play, and we showed you after the game and just the emotion that you had. Could you just describe what that was like? It's not just about winning the regional, but coming back from not being able to watch your team, and then you get to watch your team up close and win a regional championship. What was going through you there? Um, I mean, honestly, before the game, we had, uh, you know, a very serious discussion because we were a little bit superstitious in baseball, whether or not I should be here for the game. Uh, <laughs> backup plan for the home plate meeting to be ejected again, but I decided I would <laughs> let stay. Yeah, you don't um, want to miss the first two of the super. Yeah, you don't want to miss the first two of the super. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, the emotions really came <clears throat> from looking back mm. on where we were at one point in the season at eight and 13 in the ACC, you know, 23 and 17 and just seeing our guys and how ha <clears throat> happy they were. So I think that's, it wasn't the emotions from being gone um, because it was about our players and our team. Um, honestly, it wasn't, it was just about like seeing them go from where they were to where they are now, which was really neat. Coach, if you could uh, correct one thing about college baseball, what would you do? I would say that, uh, you know, they need to get that infield fly rule right. Make <laughs> <laughs> sure that falls hey, in the air, baby. Hey, those three guys <laughs> in uh, Chapel Hill said they did get it right. They don't know what your problem is. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> maybe, maybe they did. Maybe they did. Um, That's no, they classic. didn't. Uh, Coach having a good time with it. Now, you know, like I said, you, yeah. you can laugh about it now, uh, but at the time you're like, man, you got to be kidding me. But North Carolina found a way to win. That's what good teams do, right? You win out of the loser's bracket like that. All the pressure, you're at home. You got to close. Uh, they had to beat VCU twice, and that's exactly what they did. But Arkansas, North Carolina this weekend, that starts on Saturday. One of four ACC teams uh, in action, the Super yep. Regionals. We have three ACC-SEC matchups coming up this weekend. Should be outstanding. Hey, um, I just got a text from a uh, – we were talking about matchups, you know, for the Supers. I uh, just got a text from a baseball coach, who old friend, who said, imagine Texas – and I just thought about this. I didn't even look at this the right way. Imagine Texas going to Greenville, North Carolina. Texas going to East Carolina for any sport pack, let alone a chance to go to the College World Series. Well, I mean, no disrespect for anybody that's been paying attention. East Carolina's better than Texas. How about that? No, let, no, let that, no question. Let that marinate a second. I mean, of course they're going to but, East Carolina. The Pirates are better than the Longhorns. Now, they got to go prove well, it, but they have proven to be a better team during the season. 
and that's why that's uh, the deal. I'm not surprised but, by but that. But think about that. When when would you have ever thought about Texas going to East Carolina when you think about brands, right? Texas, I don't think they've ever played at East Carolina. I tell you what, that would be a great showdown. Uh, it would be a great barbecue showdown. Texas Whoa. against Eastern Whoa. North Carolina. I mean, you talk about two of the great Whoa. barbecue brands on the Whoa. planet Earth. Uh, Eastern North Carolina in the state of Texas when it comes to uh, the good old pig. Oh, my goodness. But it'll be a great series. Yeah. He seems good. They've been good. I don't know who. I don't know who's broadcasting that Super Regional, but I got an idea for you. <laughs> well, I, you don't like doing baseball, so I know you're not volunteering, but I'd go out there just to eat. That's what I mean. I mean, and apparently I, I like doing that. Does uh, <laughs> Does Bee's Barbecue have a television screen and we could sit there and just open up at uh, that door and just put your feet up, swallow whole, watch a little baseball? Oh. That'd work. Parker's, you know there, there's I a bunch of good spots. Get- I may have to get my man Jeff Bass on the phone down there in Eastern North Carolina figure out what's available to those good folks from Texas when they come rolling in from Longhorn Land. Get nah. you down in that eastern part. Bees, yeah, Parkers. Well, you know, that, a- that beef versus pork, it's, it's two different universes, but I will tell you this, and I can vouch for both. Uh, the barbecue mm-hmm. in the eastern part of the state of North Carolina is sensational. And the brisket in the great state of Texas, the way they do it, it's awesome. Now, you cannot yep. go wrong either way with both of those two now. There you go. When we come back, Power Hour, Danny Graves will be with us. So will Link Jarrett, the head baseball coach at Notre Dame. But Graves coming back in here next. Tell us who the stars are going to be in these super regionals involving the ACC. We'll do it next. This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371.